Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, guys. Look, as we say that, well, there is more competition here in the daily podcast circuit, but yes, Locked On Browns is your team every day. iTunes rating reviews, as always, guys, please keep those coming. This show this evening is brought to you by mybookie.com. Um, guys, we're going to get a bunch of shows out here for you Wednesday and a Thursday. Um, we have the Ohio State-Michigan preview that I'm going to get up here tonight. I'm going to get this show up here tonight. Um, look, it's Thanksgiving, a lot of time in the car, the kids are screaming, sugared up, whatever it is. I'll give you a bunch of podcasts to listen to over this next four-day weekend as we head into browns Bengals on Sunday. Joining us here this evening from the OBR, part of Bleacher Report as well, Brent Sobleski. Brent, my man, it's been too long. It's been nine months. It's a little tough to connect. Brent's got kids. I got kids. Everybody's got schedules. Brent, how you been? And first of all, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I wish you guys all the best. The same to you and yours, and, and that's the irony of it, right? It took a family holiday to bring us back together. <laughs> it's mainly because, you know, time is sparse, when you, especially when you get into the regular season and you have coverage responsibilities throughout the league and you're trying to follow certain teams close closely to make sure you're as well-informed as you possibly can be, and it can be difficult. And it's something that I know we've discussed previously when it comes to the draft, for example, that as, no matter how much you follow everything and information is the absolute key to the NFL draft in that event. You can't know everything. It's impossible. And that's why we have to be able to step back and look at everything as a whole, how it's progressing to really get a good perspective of everything. And that's truly applicable to this Cleveland Browns team this year. We've seen them really go through the trials and tribulations of the Hugh Jackson era coming to an end. Todd Haley being pushed out the door as well. Baker Mayfield's rise, young players coming to the forefront, showing that promise finally and seeing that potentially you have finally found that franchise quarterback when so many in Cleveland probably thought the search for the Holy Grail would have came sooner than actually finding a franchise quarterback. So it's been a delight to see this team finally come out of the doldrums a little bit and that we can finally discuss that and their play and their potential instead of what draft pick is coming next April. Exactly. I mean, look, we've mixed in a little draft so far here on Locked On Browns, and it's funny, like, he talk about everything we do as far as what we do and, and the other stuff we do. Uh, me, you know, I signed on to coach a second soccer team this fall. Now the show proceeded to just blow up, so here it is. I'm working through two teams and a couple of practices a week and three to four games a week, and it, the show demands. And, guys, if you don't truly understand and appreciate what some of us go through, I understand that. And, look, everybody works, and everybody works hard, whatever at, you know, facet and, or what it is that you do. But there's times, and, you know, and even today, like, I woke up, my alarm went off at 5.50, my kid's last day of school, and I, I knew words came out of my mouth, and my wife's like, do you even know what you just said? I was like, I, I don't even realize. I was like, what did I just say? She's like, you said, all right, Wednesday, freaking bring it. So that's the way today started for me, and this is what it is, because, look, we got families and got responsibilities. But, yes, Brent, um, it's like last week at this time, I was before Halloween. There was already one show a week dedicated to the draft. Now it's, you know, we can get into PFF grades. We can get to everything between the lines. And, yes, as much as it is Baker Mayfield, it is a much more deeper product. I want to get in a little bit here to the offensive side of the ball. Um, how it took till week three to see Baker Mayfield, and I took a lot of heat after week one, the Pittsburgh game. Oh, Jeff, give Tyrod Taylor a chance. It was a monsoon. The weather was terrible. I was like, all right, yeah, okay. Then the New Orleans game, 
you know, oh, are we sure we're playing the best quarterback? Oh, Jeff, what? Look, and I said, oh, rookie quarterback could have thrown a late game interception to turn the side, you know, turn the sway of the game. Should he be the one playing? Everybody's Jeff, Jeff stop. And then the whole Carlo not Carlos Hyde nonsense. Jeff, you're being too hard on him. You're being too hard on him. No, there's better running backs who aren't getting the opportunity. But now, finally, here we are, and the product, Brett, it's great. It's Baker. It is Nick Chubb. It is Duke Johnson, a guy like Rashard Higgins, who almost was lost by this franchise, now has come in, and he is probably Baker's favorite wide receiver target. Talk to me a little about this offense, because I I love the product, and especially over the last two weeks, and it shows when you move these guys out. And now here's Freddie Kitchens, a guy who's just kind of always been the other guy in the coaching room, kind of just absorbing information. And then you see where he's going to guys on the team and asking what their feedback is, running some wishbone looks, uh, you know, two weeks ago against Atlanta. And here's him with a whole bunch of him getting his first opportunity with a whole bunch of kids eager to show something to this entire NFL. It's, it's been a fun couple of weeks, Brent. Absolutely. And for, you know, as exciting as it is, you could probably hear my dogs barking in the background just because they want to discuss the Cleveland Browns. You know, in all seriousness, <laughs> the transition we're seeing. We all bark last, together, Brent. Exactly. And uh, the transition we've seen in the last couple of weeks has been nothing short of startling. And maybe even astounding might be the, a more appropriate uh, word in this case because you're finally getting to the point where coaching staff realizes they need to play to the strengths of their talent. I know. I mean, that's unbelievable, right? <laughs> it's one of those things where it's such a novel concept. It, it's, it's, it seems so basic, and yet it took this long to reach that point because of all the infighting, because of the incompetency, and everything that led to the past two-plus seasons in Cleveland. You get guys who, with no ego, no ego like Freddie Kitchens who steps in and asks his players, what do you like to run? And it's really that simple. Why do we make it so difficult that football is supposed to be some level of brain surgery we haven't even uh, discovered yet? And yet it, it's only about one thing overall, putting your players in a position to succeed. That's what football is. That is what sports are all about. That's what you do as a coach. That is your that is your job description right there. And that's what Freddie Kitts is doing. And we see it in simple things. We see it in how the game plan is devised with the short passing game, the 60 series. You see rollouts. You see the bucket steps by the offensive lineman so you can move, move the pocket. You see Baker Mayfield getting his hand out or getting the ball out uh, much quicker. What you don't see is you don't see uh, the 90 uh, series dropbacks, the seven-step drops, the time where you need all these deep passing plays to progress, and he's got to stand there behind a weak offensive tackle duo and take hit after hit because you can't get the ball out quick enough. And it's so simplistic overall, but it's brilliant what Kitchens has done, and, I, and kudos to him. It's for stepping into a difficult situation and um, and making the best out of it. When you look at Baker Mayfield, his two games under Freddie Kitchens, and we don't want we want both want to stress that this is a small sample size, but seventy four point five percent completion percentage, five to one touchdown to interception ratio. That's fantastic. There's he Baker Mayfield is by far and away the best rookie quarterback in the NFL right now, and it's not even a question. So. If you can continue to build on that, I think the most interesting question for that, Jeff, is if Freddie continues to do this, is he now in consideration, not for the head coaching job, but to 
retain him on the next coaching staff. And most people will immediately say, that's not how it works. Generally speaking, you're correct. But we saw two prominent examples this offseason, one in Chicago, one in Detroit, where Matt Nagy retained Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinators, worked wonders for them. On the opposite side of the spectrum, Matt Patricia retained Jim Bob Cooter's offense corner. That hasn't worked out as well. But it shows more of a willingness in this tight-knit society of coaches that they're more willing to keep guys around if they show success previously than we've ever seen in NFL history. And the other thing is it opens up your coaching search. And we're going to get to that in a bit. And um, you guys know, and uh, you guys know who I I would bring in um, because you want to kind of have the three-headed leadership where it's your side, you take your side, I'm going to take everybody, and if somebody needs a foot in the butt, I'm going to do that. If somebody needs a hug or if somebody needs a chest bump, and I think I got a guy, you know, you guys know I've got that guy in mind. Uh, guys, you are listening to Locked On Browns. As I said, we're brought tonight to, we are brought to you tonight by MyBookie.com. Uh, guys, you ask for betting advice. That's fine. Go ahead. Ask for it. I'm going to tell you who you bet with is almost as important as who you bet on. I will always suggest MyBookie.com. They've been in business for years. They have great online reviews, and they have the most... Uh, and their online reviews are fantastic. The mobile site is simple, easy to use. Um, like I said, guys, I don't bet often, but here comes Thanksgiving. Three games. It's my. It's one day where I do love to bet. So I will give it to you right here. Bears-Lions. Mitch Trubisky, without him, look, Chase Daniel. I love the role Chase Daniel plays in this, in this league. Detroit, Thanksgiving, usually a good team. I'm going to take Detroit in this one. Last I saw it, I believe it was four and a half or whatever. Take Detroit. I like them in this one. Cowboys, Redskins, here we go again. Another quarterback, obviously, Colt McCoy. Yes, oh, everybody, oh, that Monday night game years ago. Um, I can't remember the last time we saw Colt McCoy play. Guys, take the Cowboys here at home. The the Thursday night game, uh, the Thanksgiving Thursday night game, Saints-Falcons. Um, if you're going to tell me that the Browns manhandled the Atlanta Falcons, which they did, and Drew Brees and the absolute palette of weapons he's got just everywhere. Go ahead. I know it's in double digits. Just just go ahead. Take the Saints. I don't care. Those are your three picks as far as mybookie.com. Um, one thing I will express to you with mybookie.com. If you register and create a new account after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will give you a free $25 for doing so. As always, when you make your initial deposit in your initial account, they will match you 100%. So... If you do it after 7 p.m. Eastern, put down $100. They will match your $100. If you do it after 7 p.m. Eastern, you get an extra $25. Your account is now $225. Here we are, guys. We're, you know, Hitting into the 11th game of the season. That should cover you to the end if you know what you're doing betting-wise. Uh, visit mybookie.com today. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. The promo code you're going to need here to get all of this, guys, is, is locked on. Capital L, capital O, 25. Mybookie.com. You play. You win. You get paid. Um, Now, as much as, Brent, we've seen a colossal jump with the offense, and we did see a lot of this, obviously, the Raider game and some of this, you know, Baker and these guys, uh, you know, the Tampa game, which should have been a win as well. But, you know, over the last two weeks, we've seen a big rise in the defensive side of the ball, whether it has been Terrence Mitchell, which it looks like we're going to get to see again come December 9th against Carolina, whether it's been a Denzel Ward, whether it's been a Demarius Randall. A lot of fun on this defense. 
and, and you still have Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett, your holdovers, Jannard Avery finding his way. There's just a, been an influx of talent on both sides of this ball, and, and it's a big reason where even though the Cleveland Browns record-wise are 3-6-1, and one, they are a very talked-about team, and a lot of people, they just see it, and, and they see the product, and everybody knows this isn't the joke anymore. And, oh, maybe they're almost there. Everybody's starting to realize, yeah, they're there. You see the cornerstone pieces, and that's what's key. Whether we're talking offensively with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, left tackle still question mark, so we won't quite put that in there. There were hopes, high hopes for Desmond Harrison, but he regressed um, after being placed in an impossible situation in the first place. Then you look defensively. You have the pass rusher in Miles Garrett. You have an interior pass rusher, and Larry Ogunjobi deserves more credit for what he does on a consistent basis, considering his usage rate for a one technique, which is unfathomable uh, for the amount of what he plays. And then you look at Denzel Ward at cornerback. These are all young players. They're all under rookie contracts, and, and you're, they're going to continue to grow together. But you make a, uh, an excellent point about how the team's getting healthier, and it's allowed that defense to do more whether it's be it Joe Schobert returns last the previous week or Demarius Randall expected back here soon and, and Terrence or Terrence Mitchell as well. I think I believe Randall practiced today, so that's a great sign. And then you'll have your entire defense intact once again. That is a, it's been a long time since that's happened for Cleveland during this season. Now, one thing I will mention and I have to give credit to Greg Williams. I was very hard on him throughout this season because the approach that he has taken, while it does fit modern NFL because you're going to give up chunks yardage. You're going, you're not going to be able to stop today's offenses on a consistent basis. The emphasis has come on turnovers and the big play. What I really saw were the small things now that he's taken over interim head coach impressed me. And first and foremost being breaking tendencies. When we saw that Falcons game late in that contest, you expect to hand the blitz every single time because that's what he's done. That's where he's built his reputation on that final play. What did he do? He dropped eight in the coverage and only rushed three. And by the way, Oak and Joe and Garrett weren't on the field. So that gives you an idea that they're really trying to do more within the scheme that they didn't do earlier in this year. And that speaks to Greg Williams. I don't think he's uh, a front runner for the job by any means, and he may not even be retained by the next head coach. But at least to me, that shows growth. I mean, there's still areas where we can be concerned about whether it's inconsistent tackling. Cleveland's missed uh, more tackles this year than any team in the NFL, or you know the defensive line rotation, which was absolutely non-existent until the last game that they played. So there's kudos to that as well for finally getting guys like Brian Price and Anthony Zettel and those those guys into the rotation more. But it's the give and take that with Greg Williams, and I think because he's had to take that bigger overall view he's looking at his defense differently now. And, and that's a positive because we've seen changes and I didn't think we'd see those this year. So while I was very, very hard on him throughout the, the season when he was the play caller exclusively on defense, now that he stepped into the interim role, I think we're seeing a little bit different and, and that's allowed Cleveland to really start to maximize their talent, not just on offense with Freddie Kitchens, but on defense as well. And I think some of the thing, because you, you know, you hear him talk analytics, and obviously with his son on the staff, staff with the Ivy League education, and maybe it was, uh, you know, okay, talk to me a little bit, son, and hey, 
look, everybody in the world is screaming that Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi are taking way too many snaps. Look, when you are the highest snap guy at defensive end or defensive tackle by 100, that's an insane yeah. amount. It is. And maybe what did we de- did we see from the Falcon game is, hey, maybe Anthony Zettel is okay to take 15 to 20 reps. You know what? Maybe Price is okay to take 15 to 20 reps. Maybe Chris Smith is okay to take 15 to 20 reps. But the key is you don't need to go back to 2017 where it was four on, four off, like it's a rec league. Find a way to say, all right, you out for three, okay? All right, you out for three, and bang, 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 and you get each guy functioning on a snap at 100%. And also, maybe it has something to do with the fact that they can look over and say, hey, the way Freddie's been working, I don't have to overwork these guys because A, the drives are a little bit longer and a little bit more sustained, and we're seeing less and less three and outs. So my guys are fresh when I put them on, and then I can pull them if I need to. So it's going to be fun to see how that works out. And look, you know, Greg Williams, with his history in the NFL, and we've I've talked about this a ton, there are NFL franchises that wouldn't even call him if he was available for work. So for him, maybe the best he could do is to be defensive coordinator. Now, it is maybe the best he could do is be defensive coordinator with a, with a defense that he's been with now for a couple of years. Maybe so. So that is a way to look at it. And look, I think him, and I know I've talked to a couple of guys within the Browns organization who have said they really like the fit of Greg with this defense as far as what this defense is and what it does and as far as Greg's style. And when you bring him... Go ahead. I was going to say the irony to that is, and I just want to play off your point, is he doesn't have all the pieces in place yet. No, he doesn't. That's going to be applicable to any defensive coordinator that walks in through that door. But there's still key components that can be added to make it even better than what it all where it already is whether it be a three technique specifically um replacing jamie collins how is he going to utilize Bernard avery um and then you have a, a still looking for you know, the nickel corner as well so these are roles that are that are prominent in his scheme that we haven't seen uh really with the best talent overall and that's the thing, though, but they're still creating turnovers, and they've been able to play for 60 minutes, 8 out of 10 games, and, and that's what you see. And look, it's not a finished product yet. We all know that, guys. But the thing is, is it is a lot closer to a finished product than it has ever been. It's always been the needle is pointed to unfinished anywhere t- closer than it has ever pointed to finished. Guys, this is Locked On Browns. Brent Sobolewski here joining us uh, from Bleacher Report and the Orange and Brown Report. Obviously, guys, the guys over at the OBR, always great. We got a ton of them on here. Uh, you know, appreciate it. We have a nice working relationship here, nice respect relationship back and forth with with these guys. Uh, look, you know, as we always joke around and I do with the guys with the OBR, we know who's working, we know who's pretending to be working. So that's the way it goes. Um, Locked On NFL, Matt Williamson hosts it. Uh, does a fantastic job. Your Monday show that you get is, you know, you usually get three to four hosts from the biggest games over the weekend. It's been nice enough for me to be able to join Matt a couple times this year. Browns don't usually make prime time, but the Ravens win, the Falcons win. We've been able to jump on there. You know, I, I, Matt knows, obviously work for the organization. Matt knows the product, knows what's been going on here, and he sees where this is headed. You get, for your Tuesday show, Sage Rosenfels with all the young quarterback play in the league, all the young offensive weapons. Sage Rosenfels does a solid job with that. He does his PFF show on Wednesdays with Mike Renner. Uh, you know, Obviously, guys, everybody knows the Bachelorette and those type of things, but Mike does a fantastic job over at PFF. Thursdays, you get Mike Sando from ESPN. Friday, uh, he will sit 
Matt sits down and does this entire NFL Pick'em show. Uh, if you want to use mybookie.com, listen to Matt's Friday show, go ahead and play some bets, guys. I wouldn't suggest not doing that. Locked on NFL podcast, Matt Williamson is your host. Go ahead, subscribe to that. Now, as he kind of tipped the scales here, I guess we'll go to this one first. Um, yes, Brent, there are some needs here still to be addressed. So some off-season focus. And look, guys, it's hard to put the names here, and we don't want to you know, put our stamp on it. If you read Twitter, you can see who we kind of like draft-wise. You know, free agency is always a, a completely tougher one because you really do not know until it all kicks off who's going to be available and who's not. But Brent, some positional areas. Obviously, we we the first one we all know the tackle position. Um, and I forget who it was, but put out the tweet, and I think it was Daniel Jeremiah about what you're looking for as a young franchise as you move forward. And one of them was three solid offensive linemen. And the Browns have that, but usually with your three solid offensive linemen, you're going to talk some tackle play, and that is the one thing that is currently missing from this offensive line. But go ahead, some positional focuses here for the offseason. Yeah, it's absolutely the right place to start. And when you're building around what you believe to be a franchise quarterback, you have to be able to protect them. And I know all of us can go on social media and people will downplay the value of the offensive line and, and teams like Kansas City are winning with Cam Irving. Well, yeah, but Cam's the worst player on that front, and they've invested huge amounts of money, in, money into guys like Eric Fisher, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, and Mitchell Schwartz, by the way, who is the best tackle in the AFC right now, which is stunning to me. <laughs> I, don't, I, I was just taken aback when I came to that re- realization a couple weeks ago. It kind of threw me for a loop. And here was the funniest thing, though. Signed by John Dorsey, uh, I did a show with one of the Chiefs reporters, B.J. Kissel, and B.J. was like... Um, yeah, he became available, and you know, speaking, you know, from information he had gotten from Mitchell's agent, he said it was the simplest contract signing ever. John Dorsey picked up the phone. Oh, Mitchell Schwartz is available. What are you looking for, guaranteed money wise? Okay, it was literally, it was done like it was literally done like a self checkout at the food store. That's how simple and easy it was. And you know, I mean, look, you know, Sashi Brown. Look, I like what Sashi did. I I love what John Dorsey did. That was look they. Everybody has their screw ups the way it is, but that was that was a rough one for Sasha. Yes, it was that that off season. What, what did not go well specifically with with Schwartz and Alex Mack, and now you're still searching for that right tackle, and it's going to be easier to address right tackle in free agency than it would be left tackle because you're not going to have a high quality left tackle hit the Never. market. Those <laughs> those guys are already snatched up. They're already signed. Even Nate Solder, who hit the market last year, got a contract far greater greater than his worth as if anyone who's watched the New York Giants this year. And what you look in specifically at right tackle with Chris Hubbard, some thought that that position would be settled and that was the hope, but there, there has been signs that you may want to move on from him this off season. It's quite doable because his contract is basically a one year deal. If you release him this year, or at least going into next off season, you'll save $4.1 million. So if you can address it and upgrade the position, that's something to look at. And offensive tackle is always weak in free agency, but there is one name I'll throw out there just for conversation's sake. He is coming off a major injury, but before his injury, he was one of the best right tackles in football, and that's Daryl Williams from the Carolina Panthers. They drafted Taylor Moten in the second round last year, so they already have a replacement for him, so that should allow Williams to hit the open market and would be an interesting name to potentially replace Hubbard. 
Otherwise, you're probably looking towards the draft for an offensive tackle. If not someone to be a day-one starter on the blind side, then you have multiple right tackle options, whether it be Caleb McGarry or David Edwards or uh, at the at the collegiate level who can step in beyond the first round and be day-one starters. So I think that's one of the positions you're looking at immediately. Uh, beyond protecting Baker Mayfield, you got to get him weapons. you got to be able to have, him have guys it. who can separate, you know, and you don't have them right now. You don't have that mix and match wide receiver core. Well, we have different skill thing, sets. And this is where I take a little heat. Um, if you want to go total yardage over the last two games, Brashard Perriman has more total yards than the $15 million man, Jarvis Landry. It's crazy. It's just I mean, it, you know, everybody, oh, but it, it is a fact. I mean, and, and I understand that they want to play the lineup approach with what they have now. But, yeah, you, you need some go-to dudes. It's third and eight. You're getting the rock. Well, one thing I've learned covering covering the Browns for years now is guys like that tend to get a groundswell of support from the fan base when they don't realize that you're still talking about marginal NFL talent that still needs to be upgraded along the way. Now, Perriman was a former first-round pick, but there's a reason he's been outright cut and is now on uh, going through multiple teams. And when you're looking at that position, it is something that can be addressed in the draft as well. And I know we, we want to discuss free agency, but the, the names that you're looking at that are slated to hit the open market, one, Larry Fitzgerald, he's either going to play in Arizona or retire. Golden Tate, you're talking about 31-year-old wide receiver already. Essentially, your number one wide receiver going into the market in his prime will be Terrell Williams. Now, Browns fans are quite acquainted with him after he destroyed them <laughs> when yep. Cleveland played. It's almost the same game. The Los Angeles Chargers a few weeks back. So that's a name you could potentially look at. Otherwise, you're going into the draft, second, third round, because when you sit the ninth overall pick, you're not there's not that marquee wide receiver in this year's class. At least I don't believe so. You're not a Julio Jones or AJ Green type of receiver where you or want even to an spend. Odell. No, there's there's yeah, nobody. Exactly. Exactly. So. Those are two positions offensively that you may be able to get marginal talent to fill holes in free agency, but then you're looking to draft to get long-term replacements. Defensively is where you could potentially do some damage. It's not necessarily a three-tech, but let's throw a name out there, for example, a Cleveland native, and we won't talk about his personal life because it's a whole other conversation. But Frank Clark from the Seattle Seahawks could be one of the top free agents available. He's a defensive end that you can slide inside the three-tech technique to rush the passer, can play, kind of play off on Emmanuel Ogba for a year. That's someone who you could go really strong after in free agency and potentially have a big deal to finish your defensive front. Still add a three-tech at some point during the draft, but get another bookend pass rusher to Miles Garrett because Emmanuel Ogba is great at setting the edge. He can play the run as well as any defensive end in football. What he can't do is be a consistent presence pressuring the quarterback off the edge, and that's difficult because you constantly slide the protection towards Miles Garrett, which gives me to another point we didn't mention earlier that I have to give Greg Williams credit for. The sub-packages he's showing in, in the last couple weeks are, are, are awesome to watch because he's placing Garrett uh, you know, on, at defensive end. He's putting Gennard Avery at three-tech, and then Ogan Joby next to him. So you're trying to overload a side with certain talent to get more pressure on quarterbacks. And that's a really smart approach when you're not necessarily getting it from the other side of defensive end. So 
I like playing with that talent overall. Looking at that defensive front, you might also be looking for someone to replace him at Jamie Collins because we almost can guarantee he will not be a Cleveland Brown next year based on his current contract. One Looking at the back end of the defense, now this is something where P.J. Carey, likely gone based on his contract, it, much like Chris Hubbard, it's, it's based – on a one-year deal. The numbers are eye-popping if you just look at it at face value, but it breaks down easily where they can save millions of dollars by releasing him. So exactly. As much as as much yeah. as the Atlanta game was great, um, that was an anomaly for TJ Carey. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to rely on him going to next season. You do have Ward. You do have Terrence Mitchell, who I believe uh, will see him come back and make an impact on the roster. But beyond those two, you're a little thin. And I want to say this right now with Brian Bowdy Calhoun. I believe he's a very good player. But this back and forth between nickel and free safety all year has not helped his play at all. And so not to mention that he can test for agency as well. Well, and there's always, I mean, look, people are always looking for defensive backs. And, you know, you know, at, at this point of his career, um, look, uh, if he sees, you know, six, seven million guaranteed, yeah, he's going to run. I mean, you can't blame the guy for doing it. That's what you should do. It's all about you in the end. But there are there's options here. But the other thing, and what I say, and you know, look, you understand this, Brent. Uh, when you have a household full of people, you go to Costco. They don't have to go to Costco. They just gotta, you know. Hey, can you just stop at the store on the way home? We need bread, milk, and eggs. You know, the simple stuff. There's not a lot to do anymore. You talk about the upheaval, you know, 31 of 53 last year. It is not even, I, I mean, it, it may be less than half of that going into 19. Well, think about this for a second. You go into this offseason projected over $80 million, okay? You release Kerry. You release Collins. You release Chris Hubbard. That's another... Um, almost $18 million to add to your cap. So you won't be the number one team in the NFL in salary cap projection. That's going to be the Indianapolis Colts who are over near $120 million. But you got spending money, and you can go out and, and, and yep. find a marquee talent to add. You can be selective. You don't have to try to fill an entire roster in free agency, and you may not even hit one of those positions that we discussed. Maybe you find someone you think fits your culture and can step into your scheme and make plays, whomever that may be, and you go hard after those type of talents to improve your team. And this is something, a discussion that drives me absolutely bonkers when it comes up on social media. You have such and such player, so there's no reason to go after another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And because you're you're not necessarily weighing, okay, you have two starters. Well, the NFL defensively, you're going to have multiple guys on the field rotating consistently. You can't look at it as we have Garrett and Ogbo, so there's no reason to look at defensive end. That's entirely the reason to look at defensive end because you can continue to rotate all three of them while, while increasing your odds of creating pressure on opposing quarterbacks. You have to look at it from that frame of mind instead of taking these Madden viewpoints where you have certain players in certain slots and either you have them on the field or you don't. That's not how real football is played and so we have to be able to project where certain guys fit and, and, and with John Dorsey I'm sure we can look at this past offseason and think to ourselves you know what I didn't think he'd go after that guy but you know what? I'm glad he did and Terrence Mitchell's a great example Terrence Mitchell wasn't necessarily a stud for the Kansas City Chiefs he was a guy who was a part-time player got some starts last year struggled with points steps into Cleveland gets in the right system that fits his skill set with his long 
lanky frame uh, and to where he can jam at the uh, at the uh, off the ball, and it's really fit to what he does. And he really stepped ahead of guys like Kerry and Bobby Calhoun and became the starter and earned that position. So those are the type of guys you want to look for in free agents to supplement the roster, not complete it. You know, and the, I think the biggest thing with Terrence Mitchell is when you have your number two cornerback creating turnovers. Look, you expect you know you expect your cornerback one to either shut somebody down where they're not getting looks or to create interceptions and turn the ball over that way. But you see with Terrence Mitchell the long arms, the stripping ability, you know the interception. What he did for the first three and a half games was crazy impressive. But even still, look, you know you know he's a part of the fold. But now you're to the point now where it's like, uh, all right, if I can make a good positional group closer to great, that's what you're going to do. And, and that's the fun part here. And this is where, and like you said, pick and choosing. And, and I'll tell you right now, if you're an NFL team and you release a young athletic linebacker who can cover, it, you've got $100 million close in Cleveland. Yeah, scoop him up because you need to do that. You know, look, you're going to keep Joe Schobert, and you understand there's times where there's mismatches, you know, whether it was Jared Cook in Oakland, where it's just not going to be his day. But Joe Schobert is cemented as, you know, he may be the fifth or sixth best defensive player on your defense, but he is the leader. And you saw how much this defense suffered without him. It goes through Joe. It's kind of like, you know, I, I mean, as young as he is, he's kind of like the dad of the defense and makes it work. But I do want to go to this now. We teased a little bit about the head coach. Um, Brent, I know you're. I, I know you're a little bit of a fan. I'm a fan. Now, if you were to find a way to say, "Look, I, I, we really like Freddie. We really like Greg. We understand maybe the shelf life could change or whatever." But uh, there's a guy out in Kansas City, and Brent, you're a little older. I'm a little older. Remember his college career. Um, you know, found his way through the NFL for about six, seven years. But you want that guy where all 53 are going to look when he says, puts his hand up. And he's about to speak, and everybody's going to listen. Eric Bieniemy out in Kansas City, Greg. I mean, Brent. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. When you're when you're looking at what he does. Speaking of tired narratives, please don't come at me and tell me that. Andy Did he call plays? Does he call no. plays? Was he a coordinator? How long was it? Da 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 da. In Colorado, <laughs> the kids didn't like him. Blah blah blah. That's about as obnoxious as fans get, to be quite honest yep. with you, because it doesn't tell the entire story, and it doesn't even look at recent history. When you look at Doug Peterson, A, never called plays under Andy Reid. Yep. B, B, Matt Nagy didn't call plays the last six weeks and was on staff the same amount of time that Eric Bieniemy is. So we have we have recent history that shows us he could be ready for that position because we know Andy Reid loves to prepare his assistants for head coaching jobs. He he comes out publicly and says he wants them to leave. He's not selfish. He wants them to, to better themselves and take over their own franchises and be successful. And you have a, the, the type of attitude that the enemy brings. And this is the best way I can explain it. If you can get Adrian Peterson to bust his ass all the time and demand the most out of him beyond what he does of himself, you're doing something right. <laughs> yep. Because that, that is someone that is driven beyond belief with it, from with inside, and yet you're still getting more out of him. And that's a future Hall of Famer. That's someone that's one of the greatest running backs to ever play this game. And it's not just necessarily a running back. He has become a bigger part of the entire game planning in Kansas City. He runs the offensive 
meetings for Andy Reid. He works directly now with Patrick Mahomes in this system that they're putting together, which is absolutely bonkers and a, a blast to watch. I don't know why you wouldn't strongly consider him. And to me, he's going to be the hottest name going into into the coaching search, not named Lincoln Riley. And when this is a couple of things with Eric Bieniemy. Um, you look at Adrian Peterson and the fact that he got him to commit and say, look, yeah, I know you're a stud, but if you do a little bit more, you could be Hall of Fame talent. And you look at Adrian Peterson in the comments where he'll still hit his kid with a belt. Yeah, I mean, so like here's Adrian Peterson who doesn't get much, but Eric Bieniemy was a guy who could get through it. I've spoken to running backs who have spent 48 to 60 hours with Eric Bieniemy at the Combine. And they will swear by him. And they've only known him for two days. And maybe it's because it was the biggest part of their lives. But Eric Bieniemy told it like it was real. BJ Kissel was on here. And it was said it was fun watching Eric Bieniemy as a running back coach. And just bust his four or five guys chops. And hey, what's, uh, come on, you can do better. This, that, and the other thing. And now where it's an entire offensive unit. And, you know, he can go over to Tyree Kill and say, hey, you know, come on now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're cutting it. You know. Tyreek Hill, second in receiving yards in the AFC, uh, you know, and he'll go over to Travis Kelsey and bust his chops a little bit. I think he gives me such a vibe of Mike Tomlin, where like he's the dude in the room, everybody gets it. And the thing is, when you're dealing with these guys who are so young, Brent, he's not going to BS them. He's good, you know, he'll give you your praise when you deserve it. He'll gently bust your butt when you need it. And when you really need a foot in your ass, he's going to split your cheeks because that's just the way he is. And he worked for everything he got football-wise. And that's just the guy you want as a leader of men. And, you know, it may seem weird that this team, wherever it goes, and maybe you keep Greg and maybe you keep Kitchens, but when you have Eric who can just kind of float around and affect all 53, I, I just think it's a fun fit. And, you know, I look at Baker's mentality, the guy who had to fight for everything he's got to where he is, and you look at Eric, it just matches up. But, you know, that's fun, guys. We have plenty of time for all that. Brent, do you have something you want to add? Well, I was going to point out, and I want to, I can't stress this enough, and it's not specific to Eric Bannon, it's to the entire search. Hire the right person, not yep. the right resume. Because so many people want an offensive-minded head coach with such and such experience and doing this and that. No. No, step back when you're doing the interview process, and this is something we're not going to be privy to other than the leaks we hear through our various sources, comes <laughs> down and, and stating they fell in love with this guy because that's what you want to hear. That's what you want to, you know, they, you were blown away by their interview, what they were able to do. That's what Matt Nagy did. That's what Mike Tomlin did. These yep. guys weren't necessarily front runners for those jobs going into that, that process, but they blew everyone away and they stepped right into that position. And that's what's really important because Hugh Jackson had the right resume, but as Baker Mayfield plainly stated today, he glad-handed everybody and never really dealt with adversity the way he you should as a head coach. Some guys just aren't head coach material. That's okay. Hugh, uh, Romeo Cornell is one of the most respected coaches in the NFL, bar none, but he wasn't a head coach. He, he He's not wired that way. So you need to find those guys, whether it be an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, a special team coach, <clears throat> Dave Tube, or a college coach, whether it be Lincoln Riley or Matt Campbell, that comes in and takes that job and says, this is what I'm going to do. Because it's for far too long you've had too many pushovers in that position for Cleveland that weren't capable of doing the job that's required of them. 
And now, Brent, the product is sellable and it's, we don't expect, we're not shooting for okay. We're shooting for great because you know what? I'm giving you a sales pitch now. Before it used to be, oh, well, oh, can we go see the house now? No, we can't see the house now because maybe there was termites or maybe there was mold. Now it's come see the house. You want to see the house? We'll show you every stinking drop of the house, and that's the product they're selling. We wanted to get to the Bengals game here, though. Um, look, obviously, uh, everybody knows. Yeah, uh, the Browns need a road win. It's pretty historic if they get a road win. Um, they're headed to Cincinnati, and look, you know, Cincinnati, where they're at right now, look, they need a win because it's to the point, if Cincinnati doesn't make the, the playoffs, they're going to blow everything up. And there are some crazy thoughts that, oh my God, they may just hand their head coaching duties and nothing works out to Hugh Jackson. Good luck with that, Bengals. I mean, for God's sakes, good luck with that. So when you hear week two that A.J. Green isn't getting the job done uh, and things of that nature. But the game itself, um, look, I I think it's winnable. Um, There's questions whether or not A.J. Green did not practice today. It seems weird that maybe he was out till mid-December, but maybe he can play this week. But head-to-head, look, I mean, they have some talent on defense. Uh, the offense, if you have A.J. Green, maybe it's capable. Andy Dalton, look, everybody knows at this point what he is. This is a winnable game. Um, if it were in Cleveland, I'd say, look, Browns going to win by 10. I'm not going to put a prediction on I mean, I put one on the crossover show today, and I've kind of straight my course. I picked the Jet game as a win. I picked the Ultimate game as a win. I haven't picked any others. But this is definitely a winnable game for this franchise, and I think they need to win one on the road. And I think they're capable of it, especially with Nick Chubb getting this rest now with the bye week and, you know, kind of things not necessarily running through him, but able to sustain drives with him with his 20 to 20 to 25 touches. Give me your thoughts here on Sunday's game going in, you know, three hours south into Cincinnati. Well, I'll take it a step further. I think the Browns should be favored in this contest. Now, I know Vegas doesn't agree with me, but you have two weeks of preparation. You've successfully transitioned beyond the old stink of the organization into <laughs> interim stages where you have some early success, and it's working well. So now you've had more time to really cater the offense to all of these talents that you started to feature, whether it be Nick Chubb or Duke Johnson. Thank goodness we've finally seen him being used out of the backfield, which is mm-hmm. mind-blowing unto itself and was grounds for dismissal in the first place. But not necessarily that. You mentioned earlier, I know a lot of people call it full house backfield, the diamond formation that you see at the collegiate level that was being utilized, or the three tight end, 13 personnel, that, that's what got me excited. Set the valve on the field before the fourth quarter. I mean, Lord above, it's amazing that you have a tight end who can be a reliable target and you finally start using them to some degree. These types of different looks to keep them on their heels – will make it far more difficult for Cincinnati to adjust, especially considering the fact that they are literally the worst defense of all time, or at least on track to be the worst defense on time, giving up almost 450 yards per game. I mean, it's just an unbelievable rate of how poor they've been this season. You should be able to capitalize and do so early and basically get on top of them and step on their throats. And, yes, Cincinnati can score. Yes, they have weapons. And I'm not denying that. It could be a bit of a shootout. But the the – when you add in players like Rashard Higgins, who's now fully healthy, Demarius Randall is supposed to be back into the lineup. These added emphasis on these other players, it really, to me, seems to play in Cleveland's favor far more than I would have said a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's how much, uh, how impressed I've been with the adjustments the entire coaching staff has made to really highlight the players that weren't earlier in the season and put the ball in the playmakers' hands.
And that's even another one. Antonio Callaway, your game's starting to slow down, and you're finding a way to get a little more contribution out of him, some less drops, and it's just been fun for it all. And, and I do love the fact that they're finding a way to get a little bit of everybody involved. And I remember watching the Tampa game and going, man, if I see Seth DeValve one more time wearing a baseball hat, I'm going to lose my damn <laughs> mind. But it's been it's great, and, and it's just trending. And look, you, you know, we said, guys, we've talked about a couple of pieces to be added, and obviously a head coach should be brought into this mix. But it's always been, it's always a blast talking with Brent here, and I'm glad we got him on here. We're going to try to mix him here to the mix a little bit more as we go through the next six weeks. But guys, Brent does a fantastic job uh, over the uh, Bleacher Report, the OBR as well. Guys, as always, great staff over the OBR. You guys know that. So go ahead, follow Brent Sobleski, the show at Locked On Browns. We keep the Twitter account and follow back account. You guys are great with information, and it's nice now because the DMs sent to the Locked On Browns Twitter account. No longer are shut up about Carlos Hyde, shut up about this, and a little bit more positive, and you guys are good. You bring some good feedback as to what you want to hear on the show, so I do appreciate that. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, I, I just can't thank you guys so much. iTunes ratings, reviews, guys, those are key. I need them for the show. Helps the show grow, all that stuff. It, it's fantastic. Thanksgiving, guys, uh, tomorrow, uh, I'm going to get all these shows out tonight. You guys are going to have a bunch of stuff to listen to You know, over the next four days. So enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Guys, take it from me. As I said, you know, I suffered a significant loss on October 20th, losing my older brother. You're going to be around some family. Yes, they may be annoying. Yes, they can be a little bit of a pain in the butt. But keep in mind, you may sit down for Thanksgiving a year from now, and they might not be there. So, guys, enjoy the day. Enjoy the family time. Enjoy the relaxation. Uh, you got Ohio State, Michigan on Saturday. Then we're going to follow that up on Sunday with Browns, Bengals, you know, rivalries, games, rivalry weekend in college football. Enjoy this time. Until we talk the next time, guys, let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB.